everybody. I feel like I always start it with, I'm so excited. So maybe I am very enthusiastic to talk on this subject today. I actually have a fantastic guest with me who is going to help digest all of this information because yet again, we are here to expose worldwide dream builders. And a disclaimer, my beef is with worldwide. My beef is my own opinion. My guest beefs, her opinion. We have no beef with the Amway Corporation simply because they're a product company. All of the names of our upline have been changed, but I do feel it's so important that we talk about this. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and introduce my guest. You guys know her. You guys love her. Welcome back, Hope. Hello. This topic actually, Hope has brought up a number of times. We are actually going to be talking today about the book that Worldwide has on their list, that this is a book that they recommend for married couples. This book is called Love and Respect. I'm probably going to butcher this asshole's name because Dr. Emerson Egrich. 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 Yeah. Egrich. Yeah. So, yeah. so Hope, you're the one who brought this book to my attention. Of course, I was a part of Worldwide. But I was in Worldwide as a single. And even though I was a single, they would tell me to read all of these relationship books. The one that I did read was the one that is by the pastor of Worldwide. And because he's a well-known author, his name is Paul Sika. So I read his book and that book was very alarming in its own ways with a lot of red flags. But what is it about this book that made you cringe? Why is it that you felt this book was so necessary to talk about? It's a hard thing to explain, but like basically me and my husband just went through like some dumb stuff. And when we were counseling Upline, uh, they basically recommended this book and I suck at reading. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm not, Same. you know, I'm dyslexic. So it's, it's tough for me to read a book, but my husband was reading it. And while he was reading it, he started to change. Like he started, his demeanor started to change. His attitude towards me started to change. And I was like, I don't think this book's good. And that's all I kind of felt. I was, I was like, I haven't read it yet, but I feel like it's, it's not great. And then he was like, no, like you should read it. It's really powerful. Worldwide's recommending it. There's a reason they're recommending it because they know more than we do is basically how we thought at the time. So we followed their lead and yeah, he just, he was reading it. I eventually read it and I went, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> this is not good. This is very uh, not good for women. This, if this gets into the wrong dude's hands, this could be bad because it even changed Fisher's attitude towards things and he's like the sweetest man on the planet and if it, if he wasn't I would be a lot more scared <laughs> so yeah right uh, yeah I mean every time I've talked to you and Fisher just super calm guy even he explained in our previous episode about toxic positivity that this was something that he didn't feel comfortable with but because of how worldwide was it was very peer pressure almost I really empathize with that because I read this book and now that I've read it, I, I can see exactly what you're saying. Cause I, I told, I told my partner, I was like, exp I was complaining about this book the entire time I'm reading it. I can't believe that there's people who believe in this. And my, my significant other, he's not religious, not at all. I think that he appeals to me in ways that I need to be, you know, but other than that, he's not religious and that's okay. And when I was explaining some of the things in this book. He was like, do people actually believe in this? I was like, yeah. All of Worldwide who is struggling in their marriage, this is the book that they're recommending. I cannot imagine as a wife reading this and being like, no, how are you pushing this to my husband? There's no way. Yeah, so, it, it was it was vile. Like it, 
it confused me because like I grew up with a really strong dad and my dad very much taught me how to be an independent daughter because I'm an only child too so like my dad basically drilled into my brain never to let anybody take advantage of me like that way so reading this book basically contradicted everything I was ever taught and I didn't love that so it it gave me like the (laughs) heebie-jeebies it didn't feel great so yeah Oh, same. Yeah, I actually, my dad is very similar, but my stepmom, she is super similar. Like they are just both very, very strong people who have opinions and will not hesitate to tell you what they are. I mean, of course, they're super nice people. They'll be nice about it, but they don't sugarcoat stuff. Mm-hmm. And reading this, I just, there's no way. I mean, I even, I was telling you before we started recording that but I was listening to it mostly and there was no way I was gonna let my kids listen to this book. There was no way. I have a 10 year old who is kind of in that really vulnerable time in in his life. And this is not the stuff. In fact, I was like, buddy, just remember (laughs) both men and women need respect. Like you have to be respectful. In the introduction, they start out quoting the Beatles. So he says, you may remember how the Beatles sang, all you need is love. I absolutely disagree with that conclusion. That was for me, the first red flag. The first sentence of the introduction was a huge red flag. It is. And the thing is, is that people in worldwide, right? They'll be like, oh, well, they don't know. A doctor wrote this book and and they just don't know what they're talking about. But let me tell you, things that are in this book, how can this man be serious? So we go through the introduction, right? And he says, five out of 10 marriages today are ending in divorce because love alone is not enough. And sure, I totally agree. Love's not enough. But the essence of this book is that women are driven by love and men are driven by respect. And it very much pushes that narrative that women are supposed to be these subservient, quiet wives and men are supposed to be these dominant figure husbands. And I hope you had a fantastic point. And I think the toxic positivity episode where you said that you sat down and you asked, why can't I be the leader of the household? Yeah. It made no sense to me because for one, um, I was the extrovert and that was the thing. Like it was like, and I was also the breadwinner and okay. It makes sense to me that I would be the one to handle the household money stuff. And I was so why not? And there was no answer whatsoever as to why I couldn't do it. I'm also going to trail back a little bit because I totally forgot to tell you this, but there's a sequel to this book called uh, how mothers should respect their sons. <laughs> and, Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, it's really bad. Like, and it talks about how to respect your sons and not have too much authority over them. It's I gotta really read bad. this book next. Yeah, you gotta read that one. That one would make you even more. I've never read it, but I heard somebody talk about it, and I was like, that is horrifying. That's a parent-child relationship. <laughs> yeah, especially to a mom of boys. I have two boys. Like, I didn't want them listening to this book. And further along in the book, they say, well, how would he says, how would you feel if your son married a woman like you? And I wrote in my notes, he could only be so lucky. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> because the, the frustrating part is, is that throughout this book, he talks a lot about how women nag. Women have, uh, what did he call it? Ven- venom. He like referred to the things that supposedly women are doing is venom. I'm sure it'll come up in my notes somewhere. And all it's it's like the same point regurgitated 
so many different ways in the book. It's literally the same words just written out differently, if that makes sense, right? Yeah. It's, I have so many notes here because I also have, <laughs> um, and I'll post a picture of it, but I have the workbook that goes along with this. Okay. And there's one for, there's, there's, um, sections with every part of the book. So essentially you're supposed to read this book with your partner and then you're supposed to go through and do this workbook, right? Did you guys do the workbook? No, I thank, secretly thank read goodness. the book behind Fisher's back actually. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Cause I was like, I don't get it. And he's like, well, if you haven't read it, then you can't really talk much about it. So I like secretly read it behind <laughs> his back. Oh. And then I was like, I still don't get it. Like at a certain point, so, it's just like, I still don't understand. I mean, I, I remember you saying that your upline was heavily talking about this book, but is this predominantly pushed to the men in marriages? Yeah. Okay, well, so something like kind of like bad happened. I've mentioned this a few times between me and Fisher. Sure. And yeah. it was like a big enough deal that we had to go to our upline about it. And when I went to yeah. my upline about it, they were basically like, you can't do anything. Like they were like, because I was trying to set up boundaries for myself, right? Like I was like, yeah. I want... I want this, 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 and this. And they were like, no, you can't do that. That's disrespectful. That's insane. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter what it was, whatever is happening within yourself, yeah. you sh you're 100% allowed to set up boundaries, even if it is your yeah. husband. I mean, yeah. we're allowed to set boundaries with whoever the hell we want. It's, it's healthy. Yeah. It's healthy to have boundaries with your kids. It's healthy yeah. to have boundaries with your partner, with your friends. Like, actually, that's something that we're talking about in my therapy group. And yeah. I love it because, um, you know, they talk about, uh, and we talked about this in the last episode too, where you get to choose your safe people. Mm -hmm. And in that moment in time, you, you were being told that your safe people are your upline, but yeah. what are they doing to help you and your need to heal? It's not like you went to them and said, Hey, I want a divorce. You said, Hey, no. you're here to be my mentors, mentor me. But yeah. then you're met with, Oh, you're being disrespectful. What? Because of this stupid book? Yeah. And it was, it was so bad because like they went through something similar. And when I went to John and Jane and I was like, Hey, I need help. Uh, John was like, you can't do anything. Of course you would say that. And then I went to Jane and I was like, are you, you hear what he's saying? Right? Like, you've got to know as another girl that this isn't okay. And she was basically like, I respect my husband. And I was like, you have to be able to speak out. You have to be able to hold boundaries that way, you know, or you'll become resentful of your spouse yeah and that was the most dangerous thing to me and it felt like every time I was in a room with those like three including Fisher at the time sorry <laughs> um, but it felt like I was under attack because I kept trying to say my side and everybody was just like no you're wrong because you don't think the right way that's but, like, gaslighting yeah but in the end like this book is what made me quit so there there's the light at the end of the tunnel I guess so this oh yeah really crappy I book, mean but. I'm really glad that you had the sense to read this book. Yeah. And I mean, one, it's so admirable that both you and Fisher have even come out on this podcast and said, we don't like how our marriage was because of worldwide. And you guys are obviously doing 10 times better now, which is fantastic. Yeah. Like neither of you guys are holding resentment. It is amazing to see. And like we've mentioned before, we don't judge because we've been there. We know mm -hmm. what these, this cult-like environment has pulled us into, what it has made us do, what it has made us become. And so I say all of this because of course, like we're not here to bash anybody we're here to talk about how this book 
has created situations that are not healthy. And that really, I'm glad you, I'm, I, again, like I said, I'm really glad that you had the sense to read the book and we're like, no, this is not okay. Because I wonder how many women in worldwide have read this book and have had to submit and say, yeah, no, that's a great idea. It's a great idea that this guy says a wife can fulfill, fulfill her need to be loved by giving her husband what he needs, which is respect. That's a quote uh, from the book. <laughs> it's so like, bad. Oh. And then when they talk about the crazy cycle too, I don't know if you're probably getting there, but yeah, it was, it was not really like outright said, but there was a pretty good indication that the only way to break the crazy cycle of a wife feeling unloved and a husband feeling uh, disrespected is to just start respecting your husband. Like it didn't, like it was like, oh, it's really hard to love your wife unconditionally when she's disrespecting you. And it's like the wife had to take the first step. It was always the wife that talked about in that crazy cycle. That bugged me a lot. <laughs> Essentially, he creates this like diagram of the crazy cycle and it's like a circle and I can post it as well. Basically, it's like without love, she reacts without respect. He reacts. And I, he tries to put in the book too that, oh, well, I'm not saying that women don't deserve respect, but I am focusing on what each gender is driven by. And let me tell you, as much as I love being loved, I also need respect. Yeah. And that's a sense of love in itself. You know what I mean? And that's the thing that made no sense to me is it was like how, like, I get that you're loved differently, but that I, I feel like instead of splitting it by gender, it should be split from person to person, because I feel like the dynamics there are so different between each person in a relationship. It's not just the husband and wife or boyfriend and girlfriend it's not just divided that way like there's so yeah. many other factors and they just yeah, never absolutely that. they don't and he goes on to say ironically the deepest need of the wife to feel love is undermined by her disrespect these are quotes i can't you can't make this up i'm just saying this like book came out in 2004 like this isn't like a book from the 80s like it came out 19 years ago it's fairly new <laughs> this is i yeah. i am sometimes part of this just i am so speechless i'm speechless and it seems like i mean he blames his his mom for him going to military school i thought that was hilarious i was like oh so it's your mom's being disrespectful to your dad's fault that uh you had to go to military school yeah, yeah i didn't... don't get that he definitely goes into his parents relationship but yeah. but i know a lot of it was the fact that his dad felt disrespected and he as a kid had no idea that that was going on yeah. and he oh you know what it was i actually just got to this part his dad didn't like that his mom could fend for herself that she yeah. could take care of herself personally being somebody who has strived so hard to be self-sufficient, I cannot fathom having a partner who can't take care of themselves. Yeah. What man wants another child to take care of? Like, that's what it sounds yeah. like. <laughs> that's what it feels like. It feels like I'm supposed to treat my partner like he's my dad and I need to respect him. Because when I think of respect, I absolutely think of my, my father figure or my yeah. actual dad. But you know what I mean? Like yeah. the person who has instilled me to respect my elders, who has taught me to respect other people. I don't right. just need to respect my husband yeah i and the the way that he goes through this like <laughs> so here's another i have so many quotes in here that i just can't get over so this one says during those years which in it was in chapter one when he was talking about you know 
how men, poor men, basically, during those years, the feminists, and he talks about feminists a lot in this book in disdain. He hates feminists. So during those years, the feminists were going full blast. Men didn't talk about being disrespected by women. That would have been, that would have been arrogant. And in church circles, it would have been considered a terrible lack of humility. Poor men. Yeah, like that is horrifying. And the weirdest part is he talks about like divorces, like one, uh, one in two, like 50% of people are getting divorced. Yeah. And our divorce rates lower than it ever has been. It was the highest in the seventies and eighties. And it was the yeah. highest because the women went out to work for the first time and they couldn't figure out how they were handling the dynamic um, of the family. Yeah. And he's basically just regurgitating that he's going, the women need to go back to taking care of the household and the men need to go out and fight for their spouse. Like, but times don't work like that anymore. We don't get to do that anymore. And no, can't preach that. <laughs> it's really frustrating because, and, and I was actually talking to Christina about this in the previous episode that I had with, with her was that they don't talk about how challenging it is for women to stay home. It's not fun. I love my kiddos and I love the fact that I get this time with them, but it's not easy. It's very lonely. It's very isolating. And a lot of the time you just end up just becoming a hermit because you don't leave the house. I don't care how much money you have. It is hard, especially when you have neurodivergent children. There's no mention of that. It's like my son, my youngest has autism. And I feel for parents who have children with ADHD and autism, because that, I mean, that's one, what I can relate to, but two, it's like, there's so many aspects of these different um, developmental things that kids can't control. And no matter how many therapies they're in, it's going to be day by day. Every child, I mean, even no matter what child they are, they're going to be day by day. I don't think anybody's blessed with a perfect child who like sits at home quietly and like does everything they're supposed to. If they do, they have a robot or a really good dog, but, or cat, maybe cat, probably, but either way, I, I think the way that they push that narrative that women need to stay home with their kids and that People should just be like women are just there for bearing children. They're so excited about parenthood. It's not for everybody. Not everybody wants to be a parent and that's okay. If there's women out there don't want kids, don't have them. You should never be forced into feeling like you need to have kids. Ain't no man or person on Mm -hmm. this planet who's going to force you to have kids. I'm never going to preach that. And this book is seriously preaching that the the way that this man hates women, dude, and it comes through very clear because now we have another fun quote, not every woman has this problem. So he's talking about, um, it's, what is he talking about beforehand? Oh, that women are impatient and they have a, a sense of unfriendliness. So it says not every woman has this problem, but I have counseled many who admit they do have their periods of negativity concerning husbands or their children. Sometimes this is known as PMS, or as he likes to call it, pre-murder syndrome. Everyone ducks for cover when mom is in that kind of mood. No one doubts her basic mother love, but sometimes they're not so sure she really likes them. There's so many layers to that, man. Because, like, we can't have a bad day. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, you're not allowed to have a bad day. And then... Uh, the amount of things like you're touched by a little human all day long like you know what I mean like you're overstimulated yep you know what I mean and then you have to cook dinner and then you got to make sure their bedtime's ready then you got to do bath time then you got to do this like my husband's a great help I'm very lucky to have Fisher as a great help um not a lot of women have that and 
it can cause irritability it can cause them to be like is this it like is this all is this all and it's like and then they twist it in a way that it's her fault like it's that's so backwards yeah yeah absolutely and there's a song actually it, it's i don't know if you guys are country music fans or not so if i'm, I'm preaching to the choir here but it's a song by reba mcintyre uh called is there a life out there it's essentially about a mom who has two kids she's very overwhelmed she got married in her 20s and that's the essence of the song is there a life out there and the music video is fantastic she you know comes full circle with it and has learned so much from her children she graduates college in the video but um essentially this song is is that and i remember i have thought that song time and time again because i was so young when i had kids and i can't imagine how many women in worldwide can relate to that message because i know for me and this is very vulnerable for me to say but you do start to question, was this the right choice for me? And you never dislike your kids, but I don't know a mom out there who hasn't seriously thought like, this sucks. Like, this yeah. is hard for me. And they push the narrative that kids are fantastic. Kids are wonderful. You want to get free for your kids. But then they end up pushing these, ki the these kids. I mean, you're talking about nine, 18, 19 year olds getting into the business, getting married and pushing children so quickly. That was me. That <laughs> they don't have time to think about it. Right. Yeah. I empathize. Yeah. I really like, do. We, I can't imagine. You got engaged when we were 21, I think. Yeah, we were 21. And, and then I had my son at 23. But the weird part is, is they didn't push kids on us. They actually did really? the opposite. They really didn't want us oh. to have kids yet. So they wanted us to be diamond first. So John oh. and Jane were, John and Jane are eight years older than us. And we had our sons two months apart because they were just like, hey, I can't wait anymore to go diamond. Like, I just, I need right. to have a child. I'm, I'm in my thirties now. Like, yeah, I want to have yeah a if you child. want kids. The fact that they were deterring that too, that's kind of like, the, yeah. both are really strange because so I actually in my line of sponsorship same thing John and Barbara um Taylor and his wife in fact Taylor and his wife announced that they were pregnant when they went diamond mm -hmm. and if you're not familiar Taylor is the club owner everybody knows who the hell that is as soon as she got pregnant I'm telling you down the line like they say uh duplication her emerald got pregnant their platinum so the emerald the Syrian guy and his wife she was mm -hmm. pregnant their downline who was my up lines ma uh children mm -hmm. she was pregnant like my all the lady the main ladies in my line of sponsorship with the exception of barbara were pregnant and people in my cross line were getting pregnant in fact this is juicy but there was this guy who had gone platinum he is what pushed the searing guy into emerald qual he mm. was dating one of his downline i didn't know they were dating i don't know that many people knew they were dating mm. but she got pregnant and not too long later they were getting married and I just can't imagine what those council sessions were like, basically telling them, oh, you're pregnant, you have to get married. And I noticed that happening. Either people were getting pregnant and then getting married, or they were getting married and then immediately after getting pregnant. That's like, like a very, some of the times it's a very religious thing though. Like that's just yes. kind of how it goes. Like I know a lot of people, like, I don't know a lot of people, I'm, I'm being dramatic, but um, a couple of people that I went to high school with got pregnant and married very young. And the only commonality was the religious aspect. Like they were all yeah. religious because they have to wait till marriage <laughs> to, you know, so they're like, oh, I'm going to get married at 19. Like that's, I think yeah. that's one of the I biggest dangerous dangers of um, purity culture. I think it's, yes. that's, I think that's very dangerous. Um, yeah, and, absolutely. And they talk about that in this book too. They talk about like um, the sexual aspect of everything and, and that's some, I know that comes very late, but it's like, yeah, 
that's it's dangerous stuff. It really thoughts. is. It, it is. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. I definitely think yeah. purity culture is very toxic. And I think it definitely produces, in my opinion, more divorces. Of course, I can't speak to the statistics, but like you, a lot of people, I mean, I got married at 18, not because of mm. I felt like I needed to be pure or anything. I was long gone from that, but I was desperate to get out of my my mom's house. I had a very narcissistic mother at the time. At the time, I say that at the time, my mom is a listener. She is getting so much help, so much better. We love her. But at the time, she was very toxic. And that's what I grew up with. And that's what I was desperate to leave. So I am also guilty of getting married and getting divorced. And we split up like two years later. So I can empathize with that. But a lot of it that I've seen people, especially in like those really religious environments, like uh, the LDS community, so many young people are getting married. And a lot of the stories that are now coming out are these people are unhappy. I love watching anti, not anti, but like ex-Mormon TikToks or the ex-Mormon Reddit. It's so fascinating to me, but it it's probably because, because I know somebody who is ex-Mormon who grew up in that community and has taught me so many things. I'm like, yeah, the weird thing is, is like, I wanted to live with Fisher before we were married and worldwide convinced me not to basically. So what they were saying is basically why buy the cow when you can get the milk for free. That's basically what they were saying is their, their mindset. Yikes. So they were saying, if you move in together, there's no incentive for him to ever propose because he has everything. And I was like, what? yeah, that, that makes sense. Like I was just for that. And, and then they were saying that if you wait until you're married to live together, you have less of a chance to get divorced because you're committed. Like you're committing to not knowing what this other person is like to live with and you're just committed to that and it doesn't yeah. matter because you're committed you can't just break up and move out and i think about that's that insane. now <laughs> that's horrifying i could not imagine because you learn how a person is when you live with them i have had bad roommate situations and they were just friends because i didn't know how they were in real life and i mean us living together essentially ruined a friendship. Could you imagine not living with your partner? You get married, you finally move in together, and then you find out, dude, I hate this guy. Like, there's no way I can live with him. Yeah. That's I mean, what we, they expect like, you to do? Yes. Like, we waited till we were married to live together. I think we moved in like two months before we were getting married, but it was just because the timing, the apartment became available. Yeah. But yeah, we were supposed to wait and... I was like, two months isn't really going to do much. There's certain yeah. quirks like Fisher. Like, I don't have a lot that actually bugs me, but um, there's certain things that I'm like, oh, I didn't know you did things that way. And this, it's vice versa. Like, we're like, oh, I didn't know that you didn't, I don't know, clean dishes right away after cooking. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. little things. So little like, things. Yeah. And it, it's different when you live together because we spent a lot of time at each other's houses but it's not the same at all yeah it is very different yeah. yeah and and I'm I'm so glad again you and Fisher are such a like an anomaly because it it's not common for people to leave worldwide and stay married at least from the yeah. stories that I've heard that doesn't mean that it doesn't happen outside of you guys I'm sure it is but a lot of the people who come to me are like I had to leave my marriage because x y and z was happening behind closed doors and upline was forcing this to happen. So now I actually want to get into, I know it's a little bit further in the book, but you mentioned the things that they talk about, about sex. Mm -hmm. That really triggered me. Yeah. I cannot enough say that I had to literally take a step back. I had to breathe because I cried because it was very triggering. I think yeah. anybody who has been through any sort of infidelity can read that and say that's fucked up. So yeah 
trigger warning with this portion, because if, if this is you, I, I, even if you've never been through any sort of infidelity situation, I really think that this would be hard for any woman to hear any partner for that matter. You know, it doesn't matter what gender you are. This nobody, no partner wants to hear any of this crap, but this guy really like blames women for men cheating because they refuse sex. That is a thing in this fucking book. And I apologize for all of my bad language, but I'm also not because this book pissed me off that bad. Here's this part. They really said this in the book. Uh, this is page 250. So if you want to check the book and you want to make sure I'm being honest, it's right there, page 250. It says, a wife also needs to think about how unfair it is to say to her husband, have eyes only for me and continually turn him down when he approaches her sexually. So bad. It's so horrifying. They <sighs> Yeah. yeah, I this part really, really upset me because yeah. you think about when. So I'm going to speak to my situation. So my significant other, Kyle, if, if you haven't heard about him, go listen to previous episodes. This was a very abusive person and I could see him. And this is why I hope when you say if this book gets into the wrong hands, this could absolutely turn into a very toxic relationship very fast. My ex Kyle was like that. So he read a book that I would love to also go into is called The Art of Seduction. This guy took notes. I found his notes that he was taking to be able to seduce victims because of that. So right. So imagine him finding this book, right? And saying, no, 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 it's right here. This is how you need to be in our relationship. It like justifies yeah. the act of being infidel, infidelist. I always do that. The fact of cheating, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's frustrating because I look back and I, I always did blame myself. I always blame myself. I was like, there's no, like I was doing something wrong. Something was wrong with me that made him go and do this. And this book is backing that up. That creates such a level of insecurity in a partner oh, that is so hard to overcome. The therapy. Yeah. And, and the, worst part, the worst part about it, like um, these are very weak men. Like I'm going to say it. Like these are very like men that do not have any sense of discipline. How did you get that far? in your life without committing lust, basically. And then once you get married, then you're entitled to sex? Like, that makes no sense. Yeah. Like, you know, and they're they're explaining it as if men have no self-control. Like, that's so insulting to men. Like, and that's the thing that's like so weird. We need to hold men to a higher standard. Men are not like that. Decent men are not like that. Not after the age of like 23 <laughs> when men yeah. are young you know what I mean like they have different brains yeah. they're hormonal you know what I mean but this is like a 40 year old man writing this book and saying like yeah if my wife doesn't give me sex or gains a little bit of weight or you know uh, whatever I'm gonna watch porn or cheat on her yeah That's and worldwide up. you can tell so much now now that I've read this I understand why they say the things that they do because very much so you you hit the nail right on the head because what do they teach us in nuts and bolts yeah. do not show up wearing a low cut shirt 
your dress can't be too tight because men are visually stimulated and you're going to make some woman uncomfortable because they treat it as if men can't control themselves. They're just, they're just out there looking like I had never been more insecure than when I was a part of worldwide. And I was insecure before that because then they would create for incentives. Like, uh, did you guys ever have like a version of splash? No, I've never heard of that. Okay. So our line of sponsorship, I don't have a, I don't have a name for them, but they're like this really old couple in the business and yeah, like really old. And um, they would throw this like big event that you had to qualify for. So it was one of our incentives during the summertime where if we did like the 30, 90 day, whatever core run that we did, we went over core run in the last episode. So if you don't know, it's basically where you're following all of their daily recommendations or whatever, and we could go, but it's because it was a splash, right? So it was at a, uh, what do they call it? It was at like a water, not a water park, but it was like at like a giant, like woodsy area. It was like a Boy Scout camp thing that they would rent out. And there was like a lake. There was a bunch of stuff. So it, with a lake, swimsuits. So they would have specific requirements if you were going to wear a swimsuit. Basically no piece swimsuits, no two piece, no, no two piece swimsuits essentially, yeah. right? Yeah. No two-piece swimsuits. So, but here's the caveat to that. You had upline who were looked up at. These were eagles. These were double eagles, dude. They, the girls were wearing like two pieces, but the top was long. So they could be okay. By the end of it, they were tucking them up. They were like pulling them like their tops, like a little bit down, like by the end of it, nobody cared. And then my upline, I was like, she even said, she's like, cause one of our upline, you could tell she has fake boobs. She has 100%. And that's the Syrian dude's wife. She actually owned, what's funny is they always say she owned a coffee shop. It was a bikini coffee shop. There's actually an article about the community that it was in trying to get her shut down because they did not want that in their community, whatever. So she, I remember talking to her and saying, and she, she looked at our upline and was like, I'm very insecure right now about having my husband around her. And it was so heartbreaking because this upline, Jenny, You can tell, especially with the stories that I've heard about her before the business, she was like a very dominant figure, very much like you and I, the extrovert, the one to like talk back. If someone's messing with you, the business very much like quelled that part of her and she became the sorry subservient wife. And that was very, very hard because her whole life, a part of her story was that because she's Asian and apparently in her culture, it was not uncommon for her to be called fat and she had a twin and she would be called the fat twin. And that was the hardest thing for me because I've been the fat kid. I'm still the fat kid. The insecurity that I have because of my weight is very, very hard. And in that environment, when you have these rules that people are not following and you're being told that men can't control themselves, you're thinking what the hell is going to happen next? Yeah. And the weirdest part, they actually did a study very recently um, where they did uh, sexually visualizing uh, (laughs) sexual uh, visual, um, pictures, uh, and had brain, whatever things hooked up to your brain. And they did it for both men and women, straight men, gay men, straight women, gay women, all the kinds. And they would show them images and the gay women and the straight men would react the same. And the straight women and the gay men would react. And okay. we are equally as visual. Women are equally as visual. If that makes you feel better, <laughs> <It> <laughs> because does. We're, we're told we're not. <laughs> 
we're told we're not and i know that like i can look at a good looking dude and be like that's a good looking dude and then just walk away like i don't oh yeah i don't have to like like be like oh i gotta bounce my eyes i gotta do this i gotta uh," like i don't feel that way like we can acknowledge that everybody's beautiful and we can and we can say that and and that was one of the most like redeeming things for me was just being like there's a lot of women in this world that are beautiful and I can acknowledge that they're beautiful and it's okay if Fisher thinks they're beautiful too because they are and that's okay to think that way um but the way that they try to put a spin on it is being like your husband's imagining sleeping with all of these people and that's not true it's just like admiring art you're admiring the Mona Lisa the same way you admire beautiful beautiful people but they keep trying to fit this narrative so the man keeps coming out getting laid all the time by his wife and it's it's messed up and they don't ever talk about why the women don't want to sleep with their husbands they don't talk about they don't talk about all the stuff that they had to do that day how overstimulated they are from being touched by their children how much cleaning they had to do how much you know they still have to do and they're tired you know I wouldn't want to work out like (laughs) you know what I mean like yeah screw that I want to go to bed yeah but they don't talk about that they're like oh you're depriving your husband it's like yeah I had to do all this other stuff if you want that you got to take some stuff off of my plate you know what I mean right and they don't say that they never mention that and they never even like what about like why are our feelings as women not valued in this guy's perspective because that's the thing we have to like jump over hoops hurdles to make to respect our husbands right and he throws in a couple little like oh no no women deserve respect too but not enough like this guy is really doing this and yet he doesn't talk about the fact that what about like what is depression not a real thing can we not feel i mean postpartum depression just clinical depression anxiety There's a variety of emotions on top of what you said, all of these things that we have to do every day, plus these emotions that we're having, like sometimes that's not what we want to do. And that is valid. And for this to almost take away our consent to do that just hurts my soul because he even says right here, I'm going to, so this is a a little bit of a longer portion, but this, I feel like is necessary to read because this really speaks volumes to this stupid fucking book. So the, the, The subtitle is called A Dose of Respect Beats a Dose of Viagra Any Day. Being trapped by an adulteress is precisely what happened to the husband of a woman who wrote to me after she figured out why he had an affair. She realized that her husband had been craving admiration just as she craved love from him. He was ripe for, he was ripe for having an admiring woman tempt him. And that's exactly what happened in his workplace. Even though they had enjoyed what people thought was a perfect marriage for more than 20 years, four uh, four teenage children, active in the church, successful business, etc. He strayed. They separated for a while, but then the wife realized. So again, this is a little bit of a longer portion, but this is what he claims. This woman said to him, and I'm so like, you feel bad for these women. But essentially, she says, I had become so busy with life, kids, etc., that I had forsaken my husband in this area and left him vulnerable to attack from the enemy. He said he had been craving something, but he didn't know what it was until she began to give him what he was craving. 
His need for this was so strong that at one point during our separation, he was willing to give up everything, marriage, family, business, reputation, even his relationship with the Lord, just to continue, just to continue feeling the respect and admiration he was receiving from this other woman. And that's not even the entire part. Then get divorced. Like <laughs> That's the only solution. You don't cheat. You get divorced. You do the right thing. And you can be yeah. honest about it while you get a divorce. You can be like, hey, I'm attracted to somebody else. Um, they're making me feel a little bit better than you are. And bring the divorce to the table. Like there's solutions that can, you know, there, there's things like marriage counseling where it can be like, hey, I wanted this stuff from my wife and she wasn't giving it to me. So I started to be attracted to my coworker. And it's like, that's an okay thing to feel. It's an okay thing to say, but it's not okay to cheat. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's that's the line that was crossed. I believe. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's so weird. It's they, hard they talk to about read it. that. There's like a principle, I don't know what it's called, but it's like a, a 10% principle where it's like your wife can have 90% of the good things that you want, but if she doesn't hit the 10% that you really like do want and somebody else has that 10%, you're going to want the, that 10% or something like that. And that was like something, I don't know where I heard that, but uh, that's why most men regret getting divorced is because they're like, oh, that a woman only filled that 10%, but my ex-wife filled that 90% and just didn't have the small portion. And it's like, that's so true. Yeah. But it's also like, why are these men so fragile? <laughs> like, they why are, are they so weak? These are not like, men are not like that. Men are like, the whole point of this book was for men to be like heroes and, and honored and respected. And they're like, this does not get you respect. This does not get no. you admired. This gets you, I look at you and I go, wow, that's a pathetic man. Yeah. Like, I don't think about them as a hero. I'm not like, wow, you really do deserve respect when you want to sleep with everyone. Yeah, you yeah. really deserve that. Like, <laughs> oh my I... gosh, no. Yeah. And this guy, so here's the man that he is um, praising. This is a man who supposedly wrote in. I'm going to read just the beginning of this because I don't feel that all of it needs to be read. I just feel like this first couple of portions is, is exactly what the author's saying, that this man is justified. Okay. So he says, I don't blame her for my immorality, but she doesn't own up to anything. I'm not blaming her. But she is not blameless. She never said she contributed to the problem. I want to forget it, but she won't let me forget it. I did wrong, but I didn't just one day decide to go out with another woman. If I had felt she respected me, maybe I wouldn't have done this. This is horrifying. I will give you a little bit of hope, though. A little bit of me. Okay, um, yes, we need the hope. There, there was a woman, I talk about her all the time, Sheila Ray Gregoire. She does Bear Marriage Podcast. She actually came out with a book in 2021 called The Great Sex Rescue. And The Great Sex, Rex, <laughs> Great Sex Rescue <laughs> surveyed 20,000 evangelical women and surveyed them on these types of books love and respect um oh uh every man's battle there's a few like uh, uh sheet music there's some really bad marriage books out there that like basically have this whole narrative behind it and she surveyed a bunch of christian women and said 
have you read this book? Did it harm you? What was your husband like? Is your husband abusive? Blah, 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 blah. And basically all of this data put it into a book and said, these books are harming women and said, there is a huge percentage of women that have read these books that you have done damage to them. And Emerson Egrich still comes back and goes, I still believe in what I said, even after all of that. So there wow. is hope there. There is somebody trying to fight this fight too. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, I listened to her. That's I started to listen to her before I quit Worldwide. And that's what made really? me go. Yeah, I, I went to my upline and I was like, love and respect is bad. And she's like, it's only bad if there's abuse. And I was like, how do you know there's abuse? Do you know that you're giving this to an abusive man? You don't know. Yeah, you don't know who you're, you're giving right. this to. And that's that's the dangerous part of this book is it creates such a bad narrative um, for people who already have these tendencies behind them. And that was my most infuriating part. But this book's selling really well. But she went to all the authors and said, I'm going to write this stuff about you. You can redact it. You can apologize. You know, you can say, hey, I wrote this years ago. I don't feel that way anymore. Yeah. And none of them did that. Every single one of them stood behind what they said. That's like, not even, surprising. Yeah, even Focus on the Family. Like, Focus on the Family is, like, a huge, like, Christian website. They promote, like, books and, and articles. And, and they're they're really big. They, they do, I think Worldwide does some stuff with them, too. When Sheila went to them and was like, hey, you need to get rid of love and respect. You need to take this off of your website. They said no. And then they blacklisted her. Because, like, Gosh. have you guys read this book? Like, yeah. I want to know... Who on the, what do they call it? Who on the board, right? The the board of diamonds or whoever making these decisions. I mean, they're all a bunch of old people, except for maybe what? The, the single diamond of, lady. Except for the single diamond lady. Like who's on this board? A bunch of like geriatric men, that's who. And they're the ones who now have trained their wives to be this subservient bullshit, which I fucking hate. I am so grateful to this day that I never had to say I am I am a worldwide wife. Because one of the things that they would always say, right, is they 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 wanted people to get married, but then they knew that if somebody was going to be in a relationship with someone outside of the business, they would say, embrace your singleness. And it was only if it worked out for them, like they would push whichever, whichever was going to keep you in the business. If a couple was in the business, they would really heavily push, get married, get married, get married. If you were in the business, you started dating out of the business and that person was not coming around to meetings. You need to embrace your singleness. Um, you need to be what your diamond husband is looking for is exactly the way that they would fucking say it. I can hear Taylor's wife saying this shit. And they would oh. always say things like, they would condemn sleeping together before marriage. Like, let's be fucking real. Who outside of the fucking Mormon church is waiting until marriage? We're not, okay? Oh. Let's be real. So instead of fucking condemning your downline for sleeping with their partner, because they'd be like, if you weren't sleeping with this person, you guys wouldn't even be together. That's the only yeah. reason you're staying in this relationship. Like, I have no shame for that whatsoever. Yeah. Like live your life, but stop shaming us because you found Jesus in worldwide. But a lot of people found Jesus when they came to worldwide. My dad always says, I didn't know he was lost just because I always say it like that. Yeah. But why is that? We're adults. Am I supposed to counsel upline? Hey, so I met this person. I'm really interested in them. Um, can I be intimate with them? <laughs> what? Oh my gosh, that's so gross. I remember uh, Rianne uh, sending me a Kate about living with Fisher 
before we were married and this is like the whole thing and she was like you just do whatever you want all the time without commitment like that was like her biggest thing was being like you need to be committed before you do stuff like that and I was like I'm still committed even though I don't have a ring on my finger I'm still I'm like we're 20 years old you know like at the time we were 20 and I was like no real rush and then I remember talking to Fisher and he was like well if we go platinum like we'll get married at platinum and I was like yeah that's fine I was like I can wait I don't care it's not a big deal yeah um and then but we also thought that was a lot closer than it was but um he was like right we're when we go platinum we'll get married and I was like sweet and then we can have a good wedding you know we'll have the cash flow for it and then Jay no John was like basically had a long talk with Fisher and convinced him to marry me and that's why we're married it would have happened eventually like that's the thing I I know it would have happened eventually but it wasn't by either of our choice you know oh my goodness you know what else is crazy I've never told you this too we got married on July 1st 2018 it was a Sunday so that's Canada day go Canada (laughs) I'm just kidding (laughs) just it's okay there was a regional rally on June 30th a Saturday Um, yeah so we originally wanted to get married on the 30th because we're like oh we'll always have the next day off you know so we're like okay we'll get married the 30th and we had to change our wedding date because I had my upline in my yeah um it worked out because now like we get fireworks every year on our anniversary and stuff like that's true that yeah they ended up canceling the regional because they always forget about us Canadians and our national holidays. <laughs> so they were like, oh, right, you have uh, <laughs> you have uh, Canada Day the next day. So we got to reschedule this. So they rescheduled it to a week before. So it ended up working out, but we still had our wedding date changed. That is crazy. I mean, honestly, though, what a cool holiday to get married on. I mean, I would personally love to have an anniversary. Day. I wanted one of my kids to be born on 4th of July, but I got Veterans Day. So... You know, ah. just looking back at, at everything, I, I see now why Worldwide has as many misogynistic rules as they do. Because in this book, even I, and I don't have bookmarked where, but even he says women just can't leave the house or can't leave the household because that's just not how God intended it to be. And that does not explain to me shit. Why on earth is that not okay? It doesn't make any sense because I don't think there's anywhere in the Bible that says that. Uh, yeah, like, that's what he claims. <laughs> there's, uh, it just, it makes no sense. Adam and Eve both ate the apple. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and- I just can't imagine that anybody in worldwide would even take responsibility for this. Yeah. And I think the worst part is, is talking in absolutes. It's like saying all men are taller than all women. And it's like, no, most men are taller than most women. It's not an absolute yeah. fact. And that's where this line, um, this book teeters that line of speaking in absolutes that way. They're like, all women want to feel this way. All men want to feel this way. I remember Fisher reading that sexuality chapter and being like, I just want you to know, I do not relate to anything that that chapter said. And he's like, the rest of it, I kind of can get, but that chapter was an absolute no. And I was like, okay, good. Yeah, <laughs> thankfully. That's yeah, that really was. Sure make- that's good. That's so good because yeah. I can't imagine how many men were like, well, this chapter says like, like, how dare you? Someone in your upline is encouraging oh. that. And I could see it yeah. because of this book, because and, they're, and like, they're preaching this. Yeah. And there's like that, that fine line of um, you did something to entice them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they, they, they try to say that. Like, I had a question about that splash thing that you went to. Did they tell the men they had to wear shirts? Nope. <laughs> yeah. And that just explains it all. Even though it we're does. just as visual, there's studies done saying we're just as visual and men didn't have to put their shirts on. Like it just, again, this whole weak men mindset, this toxic masculinity, <laughs> it's so dangerous. 
and it's it really is like the way that we we look and feel about men now is not great when not all men are like this and we need to hold them yeah it's just extremely frustrating like like, how do you it's like how do you it's such it's mind-blowing because then you have parts in the book right where he says that um so the song r-e-s-p-e-c-t became something of a theme for many women but what most of them did not realize is that song was really written by a man otis redding two years before aretha sang it otis released the song as a single on August 15th, 1965, as his message to his wife. Emerson Egrich's dad choked his mom. Um, And some, I I don't know if that's like a true thing. I'm trying to find it. Yeah, so it says like um, a deserting wife can return like a prodigal. uh, Physically abusive spells can change and stop the abuse. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. I forgot. I wanted to go into that part too. Yeah, and it it talks about like weird stuff in here. Like I, I remember it being like, my father's violent fits of temper finally became too much and they ended up getting divorced. And it, and he basically was saying like, it was because, yeah, my father is strangling my mother. He has her against the refrigerator. Sorry, trigger warning. Oh, holy shit. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, he has her up against the refrigerator, around hands around her throat, and he's choking her. I run to help um, and hit my dad, but I have tiny fists trying to make him stop. Um, and he basically says something about how his mother started respecting him his dad and then they were okay it's called my own father appeared to have evil will and it's on loveandrespect.com oh so it might not be in the book but it's definitely on the website yeah because i remember hearing this and going like something i remember this choking thing so yeah it's not in the book but it's on the website this guy's weird well that kind of goes into the next part that i we had talked about just before was the the portion where he talks about the the husband who went to jail because he threw a plate at his wife's face right and then he went to jail supposedly he sat thought about it and god spoke to him and he's so forgiving of himself and like he demands forgiveness and he goes and he changes and he does all these domestic violence classes let me tell you that is not how that works maybe it worked for this one guy maybe it works in very very certain situations very few because this exact same thing happened to me My Mm ex-significant other, Kyle, went to prison and proclaimed that he was a changed man because he found Jesus. He would start quoting the Bible in every which direction. He came out and did domestic violence classes. This guy would go to re-abuse three months later. He would go to re-abuse two high school girls and is back in prison. Jail is a revolving door for abusive men. Yeah. You know who else found Jesus? You know who else found Jesus? Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, oh, yeah, he did. (laughs) Like... I like, (laughs) like, it's not a be all end all. Like I can, I still, I can believe that people can change, but I believe that trauma messes with people. People aren't who they are when they're traumatized. And unless they figure out the root of where all of this stuff is coming from and then work from the ground up, I don't think people are really going to change. That's my biggest thing. No, it's, Um, I 1000% agree because you, you, you just, the statistics are not in their favor. I'm sorry, but they're not. The amount of domestic abuse that happens in, and I'm not from Canada, but I know in the United States, it is tens of millions. And and that's not even accounting to the people who who go, it goes unreported and not very many even go to jail, but when they do go to jail, in fact, I was reading an article that was, I think it was written like eight years ago, but I believe it. It says that 
when you send abusers to jail, it can make them more aggressive and more abusive. Yeah. Let me tell you that happened to Kyle. So this book is dangerous. And I'm so yeah. grateful that I had the opportunity to really digest this because I was really not okay after reading yeah. it. And it's hard. And I think the fact that worldwide is push it, push it, pu pushing such misogyny is so dangerous to people. These messages are not okay. I mean, the, the, not just this book. I've listened to Upline in their Night Owls. If you don't know what a Night Owl is, basically it's where a group of people kind of get around this one particular leader and ask them questions and they answer because they're brainwashed enough that they can do that. One of them, uh, she would preach that she, the business helped her get off of antidepressants. That is another very fucking dangerous message. They're very anti-medication. They don't treat depression like it's fucking real. If you have a heart problem, are you going to be on medication? Exactly. Like, yes. It, it just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not real. Exactly. I hate the way that they talked about medication. When I was out and found out that I had ADHD, I was like, everything makes sense. I yeah, was like, same. this all makes sense. I, I literally was like, I can't sit in a board plan. <laughs> I could not sit for that long. I was going nuts, man. Yeah. Um, and it, they thought it was a maturity thing. And I was like, it's not a maturity thing. I can't fucking sit still. It was bad. I remember the Syrian guy, he would always say, well, they said I had ADHD and they just wanted to medicate me. And if you're medicating your child, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, yeah. bro, I'm so fucking grateful I left worldwide because that mentality kept me from medicating my child. I am, I, I don't, I, I mean, respectfully, if you're out there and you like disagree with medicating kids, like that's, that's your opinion. And I respect that. Yeah. But also this medication has been around for over like, like decades and these are professionals that I trust that I've done a lot of research on. So if that's yeah. you, like, if you're going to be judgy, like, fuck you. Um, but I'm happy I did that for my kid. And I did yeah. that for myself. And it's life-saving. It really is life-saving really because you're is. preventing, you're preventing future drug problems. You're preventing suicide. You're preventing them from getting depressed because we're all susceptible to those things because we have such low dopamine. So we get medicated early. It, we won't become addicts later in life. You know what I mean? Yep. Which is a very common thing with people with ADHD because we're searching for that next high all the time. Yeah. It's terrible. Absolutely. And it really all stems from books like this. Books yeah. like this are being pushed every day and worldwide. And again, if that's something that you want to be a part of, we're not telling you don't be a part of worldwide. We are saying if this is something that you don't want to be a part of, this is what you can expect. Uh, the honeymoon phase goes away. You guys, this is something that we didn't see it at first. We didn't just walk in and they were like, hey, we're going to feed you these toxic things. They groom you into this process. And then soon enough, you're reading a book like this. And then you're saying, my spouse cheated on me. I have to forgive him because I did X, Y, and Z. And that's not okay. We are very, I mean, I know for me, I'm very pro women. I'm pro people. I don't care what gender, what you identify as. I'm pro you and you should never have to deal with this. If you have a story to share about worldwide, please just know this is a safe space. Um, we are here for you. We are here to help support you. I've had so many people say that, that, and I'm so grateful for this. So thank you to everybody who has reached out, who has said that hearing our stories helps you digest it. Because when we leave worldwide, oftentimes we don't have the friends that we did. We don't have the family members, the family connections that we did. And a lot of the times when we leave this cult-like environment, we're alone. And that is our goal is to make you feel less alone, to make you feel educated, to make you feel like validated. Everything that you're feeling, we have felt. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, thank you so much, Hope, for coming back. You are obviously going to be a reoccurring character in this story. You and Fisher are always welcome. People love you guys. The amount of people who have been like, hey, I heard Hope's story and I, I can relate. I was downlined from the same people or, you know, the things that she's talked about, the things that Fisher has talked about. Like these guys, you, these guys are fantastic. I cannot thank them enough for coming here, for being vulnerable, for talking about this stuff. It's not easy. So uh, again, thank you so much for coming um please follow us on instagram you guys i am doing my best to post as much as possible you can follow me on tiktok and instagram both at x's and t underscore podcast we're gonna be uploading tuesdays and fridays so stick around we'll see you guys later Bye. bye